This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. You're doomed. everybody welcome once again to killer wheels appreciation month here at cinema degeneration we're i guess you could say 80 style balls deep into uh, killer wheels appreciation month month of may 2021 but we are covering uh, an 80s oddity for you today the 1986 the wraith directed by mike marvin starring charlie sheen Sherilyn fenn nick caspetti's but uh, this is a was a first time watch for my co-host, and my co-host for you this evening is my good friend Daniel Goad. How you doing, Daniel? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Hopefully, everyone that's listening is doing fine as well. Yeah, hopefully we're doing better than the people that made this movie. Uh, <laughs> I I know you hadn't seen this. You were you uh, filled in for somebody for me, and I appreciate that. So I I know you had to kind of watch this on the fly. And uh, so, first, can we get your thoughts before we start breaking it down bit by bit? What did you think overall well, of the Wraith? First off, I'd like to comment just with with the other episodes we've done together, which I'm super happy that it's getting higher in number. Thank you again. Um, I, it's either movies that I've seen before that I've liked, or that movies that I'd never watch again. You know, like Halloween Resurrection. Um, but for this movie, I this is something I would never pick up. On a, on a counter or a shelf it's just not it's just not in my wheelhouse uh, uh, that you know you would say but I don't regret watching it like obviously there's like a cult following this is one of those that you could throw in a bin that a bunch of people like it's it's one of those good bad movies um, and I'm interested in looking at like behind the scenes of the movie so like by no means do I hate it. Is it a garbage movie? Yeah, probably. But I kind of... It's got some redeeming qualities. Like, it really does have some... It does. Some, it does. Some interesting... Like, I'll say this. Like, the movie is an hour and a half long, give or take. And it's... We'll get into the plot of the movie, but there there's definitely some lull moments in most driving movies because you can't keep that high pace tension and uh, energy the whole movie because it's it's exhausting. You have to have some some give and take, some push and pull. I right, wasn't right. bored. Like it didn't lose me in the movie. So if if that's a compliment that I can give, I'll absolutely throw that down. That it it held my attention the whole time, and I didn't feel like I was. Uh, like waiting to escape the theater per se, like just you know checking my clock. So yeah, I, checking to I see just how much of this you know masterpiece we had left here. But yeah, it never feels boring. It never feels you know anything feels superfluous. It's all what, very delicious. Was I confused? Very... Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Parts. Did I did I have questions and internal monologues? Absolutely. But yeah, it it was um it was okay. Yeah, 
And that's the kind of the where I'm at with it after all these years. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I just remember mostly, to be quite honest, from the the soundtrack, you know, the which did, didn't age well for me because as we talked about beforehand on the show, you know, on our call, there's some great songs in the soundtrack. There are some really bad, like just how to play songs like you know you expect a you know ozzy and motley crew to be in this and some of the other stuff by well see uh, the, the first song that played yeah wasn't was an ozzy song and it was one of my favorite ones that he does and that threw me off like so much because i didn't expect such a a lower movie with i mean that's it's one of the the quirks of this movie is like obviously with charlie sheen and uh, Randy Quaid and and people that are in it, they're bigger names now. But at the time, they were still trying to like pave their way. They were, you know, paying their dues. And I like watching movies that are older that have those people in them and kind of watching them grow and be better actors and just go outside of the box because they're not afraid of their own ego kind of thing. But the the soundtrack really threw me off because I was like, how much money did y'all pay for this? And then on the flip side, it's got those like the B sides that no one ever pays attention to anymore. Like obviously, right. <laughs> you, you have what plays on the radio and the same classic rock things. It's almost like an anthem of every year and every decade. But then you have some of these songs that I've never heard before. They don't follow the same genre. It's like th- there's like a group of people and they couldn't decide and they were all like, well, you get a song, you get a song, we'll put them together. <laughs> it's it's whatever. It it fits. So it's definitely exactly. weird. But a lot of those, that they're rocking. I'm, I'm like, okay, I like this song. I don't want to see how much you paid for it, but I really right. like that song. Oh, I'm sure <clears throat> whatever part of their budget didn't go into building those cars uh, went into the soundtrack, I'm sure. But let's go ahead and give a quick IMDb synopsis uh, for those of you who have come to this show and don't know this movie. uh, The IMDb's quick one-sentence synopsis is as follows. After a young man is murdered by a road-racing gang of motorheads, a mysterious fast-driving spirit descends from the sky to take revenge. And we never really... Uh, find mu- out much more than that, do we? We do end up like forget it. You're not forgetting, but uh, we do end up getting told, you know, who the wraith actually is, and it's pretty apparent if you've seen any kind of uh, western like Pale Rider or uh, you know High Plains Drifter or anything like that, or movies like Mad Max. It's really apparent, like who the wraith is, and we won't. I mean, we're going to spoil it and tell you, but we're not going to tell you right now. But it, it, the opening, I love the very cartoonish graphics, like when the the wraith is actually descending from the skies and it goes past the 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 street sign and it melts. Very eighty style graphic, but it was it was still kind of fun. Well, I mean, that's one of the the parts of of kind of the charm of some of these movies is like it doesn't date the movie per se of like special effects, but it's kind of one of those things that you want to expect. Like, you know, you, you open up kind of Pandora's box of this like time capsule of a movie and you're like, yeah, that's why I enjoyed these movies. Like it's the, and not to take anything away from the people who did the special effects. I mean, they, you know, you can only do as much as you can with the computing technology and everything that was back there. But you know, this right, movie, you got also remember it's 1986. Yeah, so it came or it came out right when the thing came out, and it came out around a lot of times that other a bunch of science fiction movies came out, and um, just <laughs> different um, different things going on in the world. But yeah, that synopsis and and everything that goes on with the movie, I I kept wanting to mash up like the crow and warriors and like fast and the furious like that was like you mash those three together and then you break some things you take a big (laughs) rant and you just smash it up a little bit and it's kind of the thing like as soon as i kind of understood the plot within the first 20 minutes i was like okay so okay so it's a revenge movie and then it goes into a few other things and i was like okay well the revenge is kind of taking a back seat with some of the other plot things that are going on and I, I get to it. Be like an afterthought. It's, it's a revenge movie at heart. I do agree, but it's like it seems to almost like forget about that. Well, like, I mean, we'll we'll go into of it of just like the 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 background and some of the details, especially like Charlie Sheen's involvement. Like 
it's just weird. Like saying he stars in the movie is kind of uh, pushing it. But <laughs> yeah, like, it's a bait and switch. They give him top billing too. They don't waste that 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 cred money. But yeah, he's weird. definitely not the star of the film. But I, um, I read this in some IMDb stuff that he had reportedly had only been on set for about forty eight hours, and so they got most of his stuff in one day. And I think that's crazy because, like, I usually. I like I don't like spoiling stuff for myself, but I'll usually watch I'll, I'll watch a movie and try and multitask and look at IMDb credits as well. Like the 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 info I I love the trivia and just learning more about what happened and just you know immersing myself in the world per se. And then yeah, yeah same, literally same. reading that Charlie Sheen basically just stopped by set for a day plus before going to film Platoon was it broke my brain i had to pause the movie and kind of uh <laughs> like digest that because you know when when you watch the movie if you do or if you if you've seen the movie charlie sheen's like you know he's in it but like when you start breaking down the reality that he was only on set for like maybe a full day and then maybe another one and all of his scenes were filmed in that time frame it's amazing like it's really cool but then you're like man what that's so weird. Like it's so interesting. Like, it makes you just it it breaks the. I don't I don't know how it to breaks word it. my brain to think like how they were able like how some stuff took them weeks to shoot but got his footage in one day because he's still in a decent enough chunk of it. Yeah, you'd never know. And then it, it, you would it think he was at least on set for a week. Yeah, but it translates between uh, day and night and like different locations and like they hit it very well. Like I think that's a great little piece of trivia. And then I, I kept reading, uh, reading. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, but um, oh, who was the who was the guy who directed Platoon? I'm an idiot. Oliver Stone. Yeah, he he called Charlie Sheen really mad because he watched The Wraith and he was like, "You're gonna ruin my movie. You're gonna ruin everything that's going on." Because he hated The Wraith, and it was oh, just yeah. like, "What?" you're ruining your career. Like this is going to kill our movie. And it's just, this stuff is funny. Things are, yeah. things are cute like that. And it's just like, uh, I think it's also funny. It's, it's once again, showing things in the movie industry has not changed. You know, people are still worry more about other people's movies than their own. And just, you know, make a good movie and don't worry about the others. Pretty like, much. I, I read that story and I'm like, well, of course, Oliver Stone was probably coke raged out of his mind in 1986. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I can't can't argue with you there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the evidence would lead one to believe that. But anyway, anyway, uh, the, the, the opening, though, what we get with the black helmeted driver of the race that we never see that has arm braces and leg braces on. Now, this is something i got to touch base on here now because you were talking about there was things that left you wondering what the hell was going on, the questions you had left Yeah, unanswered. I know where you're leading, and yeah, go ahead and, go ahead and describe the, the thing with the braces and the kind of the plot device of the, the movie. Well, after, after every crash, you know, this is about a killer car, folks. You know, it's running down the people that had murdered another, another Honestly, guy. Honestly, I guarantee you Tarantino watched this and death proof was kind of taken from this per in sort of a way of the reoccurring car that that just respawns and it's fine and nothing's like it, it, the the whole thing is like it the car explodes or it crashes well, through people and it's just like poof it's i respawned i have an extra life and it's fine yeah it's just like it's like a video game that just reboots which is great because <clears throat> i again right. just want to touch on like it doesn't detail anything we don't know how the wraith exists we don't know any of the science behind it it doesn't need to explain that i love movies that don't that just give you a new thing like force you to learn a new rule or uh, there's a character that doesn't have a background and just like nah we're just gonna have fun with it we don't need to give you everything about its life and origin and how it works and it's just like nope here it is so yeah, i figure it I out like on that. your own I like that about the movie. I do too. I I like a lot of the things about that in that way about the movie, but the things with the braces, it's just never explained why after every crash, one of the braces is left on the ground and it kind of phases away, you know, in that old eighties kind of, you know, CGI type graphics, you know, it just all of a sudden in a sparkle of electricity, they're just gone. Now I did read, that the director intended that to be showing that the Wraith was getting stronger with each kill. 
but I didn't necessarily get that no. from it. Too. No. I didn't it get that. Because there was no connection. I mean, basically, when if you watch the movie, you'll see it's, it's it's got that one shot insert very close up, and it obviously shows something's happening. But then it jump cuts to a different location, a different scene, a bunch of people that aren't related, and it's it doesn't follow through with what it's going on. But you know, I don't because again, like not understanding what's going on. Every time I, I saw that, I just continued watching the movie. I was like, well, it'll explain it afterward like i'll get there it'll it'll fill me in with what's going on but it never right, did. Right. and then yeah, i just never kept does. The, the trivia and i was like oh okay well it's good that i knew that 40 years after it came out so that's cool <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's just it's just one of those things but again it doesn't ruin the movie i mean it's the whole thing of the suspension of disbelief it it's still enjoyable um s- some of the acting was was good <laughs> some, some of the other good. stuff I want to say I'm really angry at just everything Charlie Sheen did in this movie. Again, I know that it's 48 hours. He didn't have any time to plan, but we'll get, we'll get into that stuff later. I'm sure you have. Well, yeah, he plays a very loosey goosey. I mean, he's just, he, he kind of, as I call it, shadow walks through the movie. He, he just, it's not really a performance. You blink and you miss him, but you you can be looking at him and not really see Charlie Sheen because it's obvious he's not there. He's... I mean, I'm, I'm just annoyed at, like, the way he talks. It, it's kind of like he's trying to channel Confucius or some so, sort of Siddhartha way of speaking that's very, like, haiku, and he's sounding really uppity. Like, it just everything he's saying Poetic, sounds like a... I guess. Yeah. And I'm just like, shut up! Like... Why are you, you sound so? It's kind of like a um, a time pretentious travel. Pretentious is the word that when, I was thinking. <laughs> pretentious is good, yeah. But I was thinking of like a time travel movie where obviously it's he's like from a different period, and you you talk different in a different era, and he was just you know saying these very carefully constructed. Uh, like just phrases and i'm like no one else in this movie is talking that way i mean we literally have people sucking wd-40 and other stuff doing drugs with just just uh, just other stuff and they're tweaking out oh, yeah, and yeah the the comedic bully that packard plays which is you know obviously a psychopath but like some of the stuff that he does is just funny but yeah. like no Most one... of his stuff is pretty despicable but every once in a while he's funny I mean, I actually, I actually really liked Nick Cassavetes in this movie. I think, I think he did really he's a great well. Great actor. And there's a we- there's a weird uh, split because like some of his acting, like he feels like he cares about his his guys, his bros, but then other times he just doesn't he just doesn't care. So I think like if you look at it, kind of like a like a Dexter Morgan kind of psychopath, where literally you're just cold, you don't know how to feel. I think that works really well, but I may literally just be looking at it too close. And he just tried to play a, a cool leather jacket guy who has a switchblade and he wants to flick it every scene he's in. I was getting annoyed right. with that. Like, just keep it out. Like, stop flicking it if you're going to keep it out and threaten everyone. Just literally have it in your hand ready. <laughs> you would save time. Right, uh, right. It's just like, you know, the, the guy that enters the scene with a shotgun and cocks the shotgun every single time. And it's just like, <laughs> you'd be wasting ammo because you'd be ejecting around every time. But, you know, I guess for theatrics, it's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I'll say, I'll, I'll just break off track here for a moment. I remember seeing a movie literally three days ago where the guy cocked the shotgun three times before he ever fired it. And I was just like, so that's three rounds you sent flying? All right, I, I I guess I get it. All right, but anyway, anyway, getting off track there. But yeah, I love uh, Nick Cassavetes is Packard. He's uh, just plays the that that tweaking, gang leading, super jealous asshole that's in charge of a group of misfits, and he's just uh, he's a wonderful bad guy. He's a guy you love to hate. He's really he's a really fantastic actor. He blows the- fucking Charlie Sheen away it, performance wise in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, absolutely yeah that's why i say like he would be the star but you can't the bad guy can't be the star like you have to have the good guy be the the lead kind of thing but yeah i would say i mean in my opinion like no offense randy quaid hasn't been that good of an actor ever like he's a good character actor but it's just one of those things where i just don't eh. but him and nick were the best in the movie 
everyone else had either terrible dialogue. Well, actually, you know, like a Gutter Boy and Skank, even though they were awful characters, like the like they're awful names. But yeah, yeah the movie they're they're two of the um, uh, henchmen of Nick Cassavetti's character Packard Walsh, and. I mean, basically everyone that he has is kind of like this revenge of the nerds sort of group of people. They all have their own quirks and different things that, that go on, but they're just two tweakers. And it's a really nice, like back and forth kind of uh, Gemini relationship. You know, you have the weak one and the strong one, but both of them are idiots. Right, and, right. It's like a pinky in the brain almost. Yeah. But, but neither yeah. one is brain. That's a really. perfect, yeah, that's a perfect analogy. But, but like, they play uh, well off each other. It's a good chemistry. I I enjoyed when they were on the screen. Were they still awful characters that you shouldn't root for? Yeah, but like you know, you kind of feel bad for almost everyone in the movie. Uh, just well, they're they're all at, they're all under extreme amounts of pressure because they're all on edge because of Packard he he's like in charge of everybody. Everybody's afraid of him. If like when he's at the Oh, the K Burger place, you know, it's like everybody just all of a sudden stands down when he comes around. It's like, it's, you know, I realize he's a badass, but he is just one man with a switchblade, you know? Yeah. I mean, you kind of get that too. Like you don't really understand how old any of the characters are. I mean, obviously this is built to be sort of a, a teenager uh, between high school and college, kind of like a dazed and confused kind of um, aesthetic. But it never really has to go in those details. It doesn't tell you where it's really located, even though it's kind of apparent with the, you know, the background and where they filmed it. But right. um, it doesn't have to go into any of those details, and that, that's kind of one of the other things I enjoy, because it didn't pigeonhole the movie. It didn't kind of um, force some sort of perspective of of who who we're looking at. But it was kind of confusing because Nick Cassavetes at that time, I think he looks you know, pushing 30. Like he, he does kind of look older in the movie. Um, and Charlie Sheen for a good period of his career never aged at all. So like he could honestly be one of those people who just, you know, what year is this movie? Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I enjoyed nearly everyone in the movie, but yeah, Charlie Sheen and then Sherilyn Finn who played Carrie, the, the, the leading lady. I hated her dialogue and her inflection and acting is just very weird. But that's just yeah, me. yeah. Like I said, it was it is extremely uneven, and to think that like, uh, I mean, Nick Cassavetes went in his uh, family's footsteps and became a you know a director and writer producer, and you know had a pretty much an, as a as extensive as a career doing that as he did you know acting. I love to watch uh, Nick Cassavetes work because he's playing it for all he's got he's clearly more talented than anybody in here and yeah. i know like like you I said mean, with uh randy quaid i know he's a you know a legend for well for many reasons maybe not always just for his acting but you know he's always been a, just that good character actor he's got about two characters that he can play and you know this time he, he's, he's playing he's playing it well he's playing he's not playing cousin eddie this time well, yeah, I was going to mention like this was this was uh, filmed and released in between the two Christmas or the National Lampoon's Vacation movies, and uh, it's just weird. I mean, it's cool that like people can turn it off and on, and uh, I guess playing like a like a hardball police officer isn't that difficult to play, but you know, it's I don't know. I mean, it kind of grounded the whole thing, but there was there was a lot of inconsistencies around the movie of just like how police work actually happens and, you know, homicides and, and just different stuff. And I knew that the movie is like not trying to take itself too seriously, but I was like, man, there should be at least some paperwork. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Be a little bit more work involved in, you know, multiple homicides of teenagers. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I mean, but what I do love about like, that's the part that I have a problem with is not, it, it's not set in any kind of fucking reality whatsoever. It's, it's almost like a, a toned down version of fucking Tromaville in, in a manner of speaking, you know, with the weird police force, you know, the weird kind of time frame, the, the, the ambiguous nature of everything in the movie. But what I love about Randy Quaid is just like some of the little idiosyncratic things that he does while he's delivering a monologue. Like when he's got, uh, you know, Packard and his gang in the police station when he calls them all down and he's continuously not paying attention to them, cutting out something out of paper 
and it's the figure a of a scene. person. Yeah, like I'm glad you brought that scene up because that was actually a, a change in the pace of the movie, and it was one of the only scenes that kind of like, well, number one was inside, and it wasn't the garage, and it wasn't the uh, the burger place. So it's a very uh, small movie technically if you if you break it down just by locations. But yeah, inside the police station, I actually really enjoyed the chemistry between all the characters, and it kind of felt. Um, I mean, it just gave more depth. But yeah, go into like him, just like like the uh, the small amount of detail with what he's doing, with going over kind of this exposition, this threat, kind of like giving more detail in the story. Well, you know, yeah, he's letting them know that he's on to them. He because he, he plays it really loosey goosey. Like you said, there's no kind of police procedural uh, consistencies at all in this. There's no paperwork being done. He just calls them in and. And, like, Packard acts like he runs the place where he's even going to tell the cops what to do. And even the cops will be like, well, I guess we, he's got us there. They didn't do anything wrong. Like, well, no, it's apparent they're doing all types of stuff wrong. They're stealing people's cars. They're assaulting people. They're murdering people. They're bad. They're bad guys. But, like, what you I love thing, is how... It's kind of like the population's just the people in the movie. Like, there's no other outside like conflict. So, like, obviously these are the only bad guys in the small town. So it's it, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a fun movie. Yeah, but anyway, got away from uh, talking about Randy Quaid as he's cutting out this little figure out of some folded paper, and, and the, the more and more he's you know kind of talking to the kids and letting them know that he knows what's going on and what's happening with the wraith uh, that's bumping off like the gang members just one by one. Is that he's cutting out the figure of a, of a paper man, and at the end he like cuts the head off and he pulls it out, and it's a string of paper men all with their head cut off, and I, and actually he had a line. I wish I would have wrote it down, but I did not write it down, and it was a great one liner. But I, I completely I can't forgot remember it either. Yeah, it was basically like a huge metaphor of like just the blind leading the blind, and it was just really good. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's parts of this movie that are like like really good. Like I'm I'm looking through um like sort of the photos that IMDb gives to like kind of jog my memory of like watching some of the the scenes, and um, I mean we have to talk about just the level of effort that went into some of the effects. I mean the explosions and the driving, and some of these obviously risky things that happened. And then we'll go into obviously the solemn part of the movie and the kind of info about it but it's such a good payoff of some of these explosions especially the the garage that was the home base for all of these these you know bad guys um but again like just it's so weird that a movie this interestingly wacky i i guess it has so much budget into some of these larger explosions obviously the multiple shells for the very unique car in the movie and uh it's just it's just weird to me like it's very interesting i think that's the uh again the charm i'll use that word again it's just it makes you interested in the movie because it's it's kind of like this shouldn't have that much money like it shouldn't right. have these kind of uh these things and well, the car alone was uh, the prototype for was one point one million dollars from I I looked it up here while we were talking. It was and, definitely concept car at the time, which is yeah. very interesting. But you have to have that. It's sort of the DeLorean thing. Like uh, when you were telling yes. me that that's a dream car that you wish you had, and I hadn't seen the movie yet, or uh, sorry, I hadn't seen the car yet. And uh, it, yeah, it's a pretty car. Like obviously, it's. It's dated for the time frame, but like oh, yeah. something about those curves and that uh, the front fender, the where you can see like all the way through the car, and obviously the tail. I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff in the, like design choices. Like, yeah, that's a sexy car. Could we make a movie about that? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like um, it's literally like the motorcycle in Akira. Like, it's instantly recognizable. It's just a uh, night rider is another one. Like it, yeah. it, it, it definitely followed the um, uh, chemistry, like the ingredients of what to make. Well, it was a like good... it, 
it was also like influenced by Mad Max, which you got, you know, the the black interceptor is an iconic car. As soon as you see it, it's instantly memorable. You're gonna, you, you know, like okay, this is why this is on the poster. I got you know? another, another example. Uh, Eleanor in Gone in sixty seconds. This is it's another one. Just just if if you're always bored and you don't know how to make a movie, just find a car that is really like enjoyable and make a movie around it. There you go. Yeah. But it was a it was a Dodge concept car, the M4S. It was a, it says here it was a joint effort between the Dodge division of Chrysler Motors and PPG Industries, and they were making Indy cars. And uh, there was a 2.2 liter four cylinder that could exceeded up to 194 miles an hour out of a 2.2 liter. So that thing was. It wasn't even sucking nitro, and it was <laughs> pushing almost 200 miles an hour. It just feels like a car like that would just, like, obliterate into a million pieces if it hit 200. I, I just don't know. But uh, the original, the $1.1 million prototype, was on loan from Dodge. They used it for the close-up shots. Two more drivers were set up, and then there were four empty body shells on towable frames that were sacrificed for the various car scenes. So there was six, seven different... You know, shell cars and prototype cars used for this movie. So that's where your budget went when it wasn't going for the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, when you're not... God, I can't even remember some of the other movies, or the sorry, the other songs, but literally you just said Ozzy and that's all that's in my head now, but yeah. <laughs> well, there was... there was uh, Gosh, there was... I know there was uh, some Motley Crue music in there. There was Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. It was a couple of the big ones. Uh, Robert Palmer, Addicted to Love. Because I remember that. I actually had that down here. I'm right. Robert Palmer Burger Joint Montage <laughs> was a highlight. You know, and this is where we actually, this is right around the point when we just see how shitty even Packer treats his, uh, his crew because he holds, once again, like flicking the knife out at every every opportunity and pressing it to somebody's throat. And it's just like, I didn't realize a lone guy in a bad leather jacket and a souped up uh, Corvette with a switchblade was the epitome of evil. Like he, but he is this movie's yeah, Darth it really Vader. Yeah. It simplifies the, um, the antagonist. And it's like, it's yeah, it's literally one dude. Yes. He may be six foot tall, but like, it's just one guy and it's the whole movie, especially like when he beats up, um, Oh, I can't remember his name now, but you know, basically, spoiler alert, you know, the the wraith has a brother, but um, oh, he Billy, just beats him up. and it literally is just like the whole crowd is around him, and I know that you know, kind of like the bystander effect, no one wants to help because everyone thinks that someone will step in, but like, man, this movie like does a good job of like making you hate Packard because obviously. You know, he's the bad guy, but I just really hate everyone else in the community because they don't they don't help each other. Like there's no, no, there's no. no, there's no like uh, protection or anyone standing up for each other. It's it's very weird. And obviously I want to save my biggest complaint for the ending of the movie, but we'll, we'll get there. Oh, yeah, I know what it is, because in my rewatching of it, I I felt as equally let down as you in this particular scene, but. Yeah, the Wraith is, is wrecking hell. It's, you know, as uh, Packard and his gang are, you know, continuously intimidating the townsfolk and stealing people's cars and drag races because that's just what they do. And Randy Quaid can never do anything about it. I also, we got to mention his name, Sheriff Loomis. Obvious nod to uh, Halloween, but the, the similarities really completely and totally end there. Yeah, but, that's really it. So, yeah. But, but the one guy that I, I'm, I'm not sure if you feel the same way, you might feel exactly opposite because this character is kind of divisive on people. Uh, Rughead, Clint Howard. I love Clint Howard. I think he is, you just need to turn a camera on him and film him reading the phone book would be entertaining. So I want to I wanna kind of apologize. So like when, when I first saw him in the movie, I thought I was going to hate the movie. I honestly don't like Clint Howard. Like everything he's in, it, it, it just it kind of um, I don't know. He's just kind of one of those actors and those faces that like everything that they do. Obviously, he takes his craft very seriously because he does so much work. Like you can't say that he's not uh, effective in what he does. He he he's as busy right. as anyone. Like he's got I don't even know how many credits. But it just seems like everything he's in it kind of takes the seriousness away because he usually plays a goofy character or something that kind of. Um, gives a more comedic value or something along with it. So when I saw him in the movie, 
I really, my energy level and interest kind of went down. But I will say, this may be my favorite character he plays because he's consistent and he's actually one of the more solid characters because it's he doesn't really have like let's say an arc but he definitely doesn't want to continue being a bad guy like he kind of feels like he's the person who's kind of shanghaied into the group he's a very smart person who works on the cars and he kind of feels like a like a stockholm syndrome sort of dude like he's he's got nowhere to go he can't leave the community because they're in the middle of a desert and right he's got to fit in somewhere and you know they Help yeah, him. might as well, well be them, and might as, might as well be now, right? Exactly. But like throughout the movie, like he's the one who kind of is learning about what the wraith is, especially when he gets to look at the engine, and he's kind of always being a step ahead in in terms of panic and worry. Like this really shouldn't be something we continue to do. But again, Packard makes everyone do whatever with a switchblade. But like before the the garage. Uh, explosion which is basically one of the final uh tent pole moments of the movie um that's when they take out what's it skank and gutter boy get taken yeah. out in that one but uh he escapes you know narrowly and you know it's it's kind of a character arc he he, he leaves like he actually puts yeah. his foot down he's he's leaving so it's i and I the wraith feel... lets him go exactly because the, ra- the wraith just... wasn't he wasn't a bad guy he just literally was forced to work on the cars and do whatever. And, you know, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed his character. You know, it, it was still kind of a crazy neurotic character, but I think it worked in terms of the other cast, the, the other, uh, the henchmen. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I actually enjoyed Rughead in, in this movie. I, I, I take back my initial uh, <laughs> reading a book by its cover and I continued watching the movie. So yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to agree with a lot of what you, what you said about uh, Clint Howard. At least this is one of my favorite Clint Howard roles. I love him in Ice Cream Man. Uh, I love him in a lot of stuff. Ticks was another really good one. If you haven't seen it, I think that came out 95, 94. But uh, agreed. He, he plays that same kind of like weird eccentric character. But he's really kind of the only one that even has... The, the somewhat of an art because he like you said he does find out about the wraith he puts his foot down he's like i'm leaving town i'm just getting i'm hopping in my old pickup truck and i'm getting the hell out of here and then you just never see him again so we're led to believe he's really the only one of the gang that gets gets away unscathed almost kind of like in, in today's society you know society of making movies they would have been a cut scene that would have been like a post-cred scene of him getting run over by the wraith anyway you know like broken down on the side of the road. That's how they would have well, done that. It wouldn't have went I the same of, way. What I thought of is all the debris from all the crashes. He just hit maybe like a piece of rubber from a tire or uh, um, some sort of axle and just flipped the, the truck. And there's be like, well, yeah, he got him in the end. <laughs> oh, but like you said, the, the, you know, when they blow up the uh, home base and whenever the cars explode whenever the wraith takes out one of the the gang because you know the gang has a bunch of different uh cars here and i made a couple of notes where packer drives a late 70s uh 77 corvette uh Augie drives an 86 dodge detain do, can't see i can't talk tonight either Augie drives an 86 dodge daytona turbo z minty drives a 77 pontiac firebird skank and gutter boy drive the beat up 66 Plymouth Barracuda, and Rughead just has a late seventies nondescript GMC pickup truck. So like they don't even get and a lot of get poor Rughead and nice car. A lot of the cars look really good. Like it's kind of you know the the cars are their own characters, and it kind of it, it kind of goes inside with the story. But I didn't like Packard's car. I mean, it needs to be visibly different than the good guy's car. So I get it, but like. I don't know. It's just they could have picked. I felt like they could have picked a, a different car, but again, it's um, it's from a different era. So you know they probably chose the the bad guy's car for a reason to be that model. So yeah, and I, I agree with you there. Uh, while I like a lot of the cars in the movie, and I'm an old school kind of uh, a gearhead, I love old muscle cars. I'm not really a fan of Corvettes. It just just not my thing. 
you know, and so instantly it just makes me kind of not like Packard even a little bit more. And let's talk about his name. Fucking Packard Walsh, his name is Packard after a fucking car. <laughs> they couldn't be any more on the nose of that, you know, like in the movie Cyborg with Van Damme when everybody's named after guitars, you know, Gibson. You, and... you know that someone was very clever. They they put their feet up on their desk and be like, I got it. I know what his name is. And they they, they felt real smart about that. So <laughs> just, just let them have that win, Cam. Just let, let them feel like they, they did it good. I do like the, the instance when uh, more towards the end of the movie where Packard is in his vet and the wraith shows up and hits him from behind, knocking him into the the graveyard. You know what scene I'm talking yeah, about? I mean, that and, was pretty cool. And the wraith. That's another scene. It's just very weird. Like, I'm glad you, you brought that up because it's, it's, it's getting it into my head. There's some weird um, changes in just the pacing of the movie, and that's one of them because it was just abrupt – it's kind of like a jump scare, sort of. It, it has the yeah. same effect of, of coming out of nowhere and trying to elicit some sort of reaction. But it just felt really weird it, just because of everything that was going on. And I know they had to, like, oh, it, just a change in how they're cutting the, the scene. And obviously, if you watch the movie, like, it's just very jumpy. And it's, it's going back between these two um, distances between where the wraith is that's on this mound or this hill that's kind of like, you know, I have the high ground. And then back <laughs> really close to the, the people. And it just – it's really odd. But, yeah, when he ran into Packer, that was a very interesting <laughs> – very interesting scene that – Well, I like I, where it ends up – where it ends up in the, the graveyard and – He's standing there in the wraith, the, the the guy, the black helmeted, you know, motor, like not motorcycle guy, but the motorhead guy steps out from behind the tombstone. It says it's got his name on it. I, I, that just feels almost very like Tales from the Crypt-esque. When I saw know? that, I thought that it may have been his dad, like he was Packard Jr., and I thought that they were going to say something or have that of like, you know, you're going to be buried next to your dad or something. But yeah, it was just very... Very weird, kind of like dream, a dream state sort of thing. The, you know, this is your future. But yeah, that's was, that was kind of odd. And and again, he plays the, the typical bad guy and Packard tries to get his goons to shotgun the wraith to death. Why not? You know, I keep thinking to myself, OK, tough guy, why don't you just break out your uh, switchblade and take care of him? Oh, is that maybe because you're afraid? I think you're afraid, aren't you? <laughs> You got it. You got to be closer for the switchblade. Yeah, yep, for yep. some reason, everyone else had the more powerful weapons, and Packer didn't want to. I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of the the um, oh, what's it called? Like just the boss, you know, the Don. You don't have to do the work. You can make everyone else do the the dirty work. I don't know. He's a terrible, terrible person. Packard sucks. Yeah, yes, he does. And now, and this is the point where I got to ask you: Did you catch the reference, or at least the allusion to the movie "The Thing" in the middle of? Yeah, yeah, because I caught it. I caught it when they said the line, and then um, it it kind of uh, made it more into uh, something tangible when I read it in the trivia, and I was like, okay, I'm not going insane. So yeah, they they definitely have some. Um, some cheeky behavior in the background of when they wrote this movie and how they filmed it and, you know, just trying to give nods to certain people and certain movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even remember his character's name, to be quite honest. I keep just calling him Charlie because uh, it's just Charlie Sheen. Uh, but, like... Jake. Is, Jake. Okay, Jake. I kept thinking it was like Jamie, but no, Jamie is the guy that Chad for all that matters. Like I, I hate his character, but go on. Well, yeah, I mean, he's just—I don't know—he's so smug and so preposterous, and that it just—he's uh, not the hero. Like I, I, there is really no hero. The hero is the car and the wraith itself. But like at the end, like let's face it, at the end, we're you know, where Nick Cassavetes, Packard Walsh, he gets killed in the same respect as everybody else. Their cars explode. The Wraith usually hits them head on or blocks their way. So they T-bone them and it explodes in a shower of sparks and metal and fury. <laughs> and, but the Wraith car is always there and always reappears. So it always regenerates itself. And then of course we got the arms and leg braces that disappear from the wreckage at, <laughs> with no explanation but 
their bodies are this is the part I thought was also very weird and also left uh, a little underexplained was the bodies were always left perfect as if they hadn't just been through a blazing inferno with their eyes missing. Like and, and I know I, I read somewhere in the IMDB that there was a reason behind that, but I, I, I can't remember what it was. I just remember when I read it that I thought it was kind of a bullshit explanation. Yeah, I can't I can't remember either, but it is it is a it's a good way of getting around sort of like the ratings board and having it be too gory or not being fit for all audiences. Um, it's it was a unique way of I guess I mean I don't want to say like respecting the dead because all of these people were basically bad and they're being murdered because they did a, they they killed someone. But uh I thought it was actually pretty cool and and different of having this very kind of angelic death because yeah they they were it's like they were cleaned and Yeah, they, it's like their bodies were cleansed at the end but and, but and missing their, their the eyes basically burned out of their their skull which is kind of like a uh you know indiana jones kind of thing but i i enjoyed that and again i don't have to have everything explained i like it because technically like with this wraith mythos it's like they're an alien but not and it's kind of like a like an entity that possesses someone who was wronged and it, it's again like the crow you, you get the ability to either become invincible or you respawn and you live until your revenge is taken and and your your death is right, right. Uh, reversed or whatever and you can really do whatever you want with that because it's that doesn't happen or does it uh but you know it, i thought it was interesting i thought it was a cool a cool part of the the story so. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a cool part. I just would have liked to have known why. But I, I do agree with you. It was a neat little... It's almost like it, it had the potential of being like a uh, a series, you know, like the Wraith could have came back and wreaked more havoc. But, you know, of course, this just became a cult hit like it did. But what I didn't like, uh, and we'll sum it up because we're, t- we're towards the end of this movie, and like we can get to our both our main gripe with it. At least my main, main gripe is the reveal at the end when Packard is dead everybody that is responsible is dead Rughead is the only one left alive of course so he's gone and out of the picture but when Charlie Sheen shows up and kind of it morphs from the the black helmeted leather jacketed wraith to just 80s Charlie Sheen and it's that piss poor reveal like yeah I've been the wraith all along yeah I was here to kind of complete a mission but now it's over I gotta go and it's like well, one, yeah, we we know you've been hitting us over the head with it for an hour and 35 minutes. We know this. <laughs> but it, it was just a very much a letdown of an ending. And I, I don't want to take too much away from you because I know you really want to talk about this. But I think the way he, he treated the brother was just complete bullshit. Because in essence, you know, we've kind of glossed over this, but he is the reincarnation. Charlie Sheen's Jake character is a reincarnation of the Jamie character that was killed by... Nick Cassavetes and his gang. So he's just there in, in another shape, another form as the just race. The whole as... plot of the movie. So it's just right. Take revenge of that of that death. Right. So, but it I just, mean, it's sad how he treats the brother. It, it, it's like he, he leaves him the car, but then at first I was like, well, at least he left him the car. No, he left him the fucking evidence that killed everybody. He's like, his brother's going to end up in prison. Yeah, like there's there's a, a few things to unpack there. So like number one, the reveal. I mean, it's it's apparent that let's go back to the fact that you know Charlie Sheen was not on set for more than two full days or whatever. Less yeah, than it was days. like it was either a day or two days. I can't remember exactly. In in that reveal, when he finally uh, exacts revenge, everyone's basically dead, and he goes back to the leading lady to sweep her off her feet in some sort of weird Shakespearean way. Um. He has this like uh, transition and flicker effect into Charlie Sheen from the Wraith. He he gets out of the car and it's fine. It's so obvious that the Wraith that we have seen is not Charlie Sheen. Like it's a different dude because that's the driver. Like he, he you know all the other filming that's been on and everything else that's that's there. That's why he's in a full suit and leather and a helmet. 
And right. it's it's very apparent because he's like he's taller. He's got a, a wider shoulder like dimension. Oh, he, he's got yeah, much bigger like, frame. So that that's weird because I was hoping that like he would just take his helmet off because that's cool. You know, that's that whole like uh, uh, that's been done in many movies that have a un uh, an unfaced. That's not a word, but you can't see the face of the... An unmasker, but when they unmask the killer, you know, the, yeah. even in, in the Jason Voorhees kind of manner of speaking, a big reveal, like, ooh, this is what he looks like underneath the mask or the helmet, you know, I, yeah. I get you, I get you. So, it, so the, the whole movie leading up to then is literally Jake is trying to woo his girlfriend again, because he's in a different body, and he's coming back from the dead. And at the same time, he's murdering all these other people. So, like, number one, I get it. It's a movie. It's part of the whole thing. It's trying to, like, make a twist and, like, surprise you with the fact. But it's literally so weird that that, that occurred just in itself, which right. you, you could say is romantic, which is fine. Trying to fall in love again with the person that you're – whatever came That you were pretty it, much murdered on top of? Um. But then the the reveal, and then they just go off into the sunset, easy peasy. Yeah. But they yeah, just, my, they just don't stick the landing. They don't stick no. the landing. But my biggest my biggest concern of this movie, and it's just the, the the thing of like, I was I was with Charlie Sheen. I was with Charlie Sheen the whole way. I was like, yes, the wraith. Let's let's get those bad guys. Yeah, murder. <laughs> but like, <laughs> the whole movie. The brother, what was his name? Billy. Billy, yeah. Billy. The yeah, the guy that, that he he was the cook at the uh, Big K's uh, Burger Shack. Yeah. So the whole movie, when Charlie Sheen comes back and is is given the body of Charlie Sheen, because that's not what Jake actually looked like. He is falling and trying to get to his girlfriend and have them falling in love. At the same time, he's trying to be friends with his brother, Billy, but Billy doesn't know who he is. And it's just this weird, I think both of them are psychopaths, both Packard and Jake. And it's literally, he doesn't tell him who he is, but he's with him all the way. He tries to just be friends with him, but he's not spending any time with him. He's usually spending time with Carrie, the girl, but you see him in scenes and he's trying to be all cool on his motorcycle and whatever. But like, it's like he doesn't care about his brother. And then the movie keeps going and keep going and he's never there to protect him because Billy gets beat up. And basically I'm sure he's got had internal bleeding from all those kicks to the stomach on the ground. Oh yeah. He took took weeks to fucking recover from his his injuries. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, basically at the end of the movie, it's, I really enjoyed the line that both Billy and, and Jake said, it was like, you know, um, it was like, hold on, bro, or like, tell who who are you, bro? It was who yeah. are you, bro? And he's like, who are and you, bro? Like, you and he's like, it. exactly. I loved yep. that. Gave me goosebumps. It was a really good, and it actually it was a good inflection, good like part of pacing within the dialogue, and it was really good. But like, you literally in the movie, he leaves his brother gone. He's t- he takes the girl and leaves, but he throws him or he doesn't throw him the key. He gives him the key. It's like, yeah, cool. I got. I got a car, and like you said, that's the evidence. There's not, I mean, there's no blood or anything on it, but literally that's the car that murdered six other people. So you're going to be like, yeah, there's only one of these cars around, and ooh, ooh you have it? You have it. And you, were, so, and you were seen getting beat up and accosted by Packard and his gang, and all of a sudden you have the car that killed him? Yeah. But yeah. Like, he framed him. He framed his own brother, for fuck's sake. Much. But I hated how he just left, and like he he didn't even tell him who he really was. The scene held onto Billy's character as he cried in the parking lot of this burger joint, figuring out that it was him. And it was like, that is. That it was Jamie all along. That was heartbreaking. I was like, you just epitomized that you're the evil person in this movie. At least Packard knew that he was a bad character. But if I felt like Jake was a psychopath who didn't know that he was doing a bad thing, and literally, like, you, you had a brother who mourned you every day, who thought about you, told everyone about you, like literally every, th- every d- piece of dialogue that Billy had well, was about his brother. Even and Billy like, has a conversation with Jake, who is his brother, telling him about Jamie, uh, Jake, his brother. Yeah, you know? literally just met him. Just met yeah. him. It's like, hey, I'll offer you a job at this burger place. Hey, you want to hear a story about my dead brother? Like, you know, 
<laughs> it made it's, really I shouldn't laugh bad. because it is sad. Is is it... I don't know. Like, why couldn't you have had both? Why was it only Carrie? Why couldn't you have a life with both your brother, who obviously loves you and mourns you, and get the girl as well? Like, oh, I, I did not like that ending at all. Yeah, like, my, my thought was this. He could have at least just told his brother, you know, hey, I'm your brother. I'm Jamie. Yeah. You know, my, my time here was short. You know, we had what we had, and that's it, you know? <laughs> but no, nothing. Literally just left him. Left him like, to drink himself to death or something. It's just yeah. awful. Probably to kill himself in the car, you know. <laughs> well, he'll probably die from like the stomach rupturing from all those kicks from Packard. I don't yeah, know. that's oh. pretty rough. Yeah, with all those uh, kicks from those cowboy boots. God damn. Yeah, yeah, that was I was disappointed on. And, and let's just face it, it is a very anticlimactic kind of ending. I really just kind of expected a little bit more, you know, but. I, I, I guess I don't remember this movie nearly as fondly, you know, as I did from my childhood and my early, early adulthood. I still like it. I, I still like it. But, you know, again, like I said before, it's the difference between a good movie and a great movie. But that being said, we've covered this film from beginning to end. Unless there's anything else you want to tally up, I think we can go into our final ratings and reviews and again you know how things go around here guests go first so give us your final thoughts and a rating on a scale from one to ten dan well i know if if you've been listening to the whole episode again thank you uh but if um if you started with us we we kind of started at a high end and we just kept going down talking about the movie so i'm sorry that we kind of like uh like we roller coastered into the the the, the depth there with really me hating the movie but i i did enjoy the movie overall like it it's it's a it's a good bad movie obviously it's got some character some flaws uh i always believe that a movie can be ruined in the last 15 minutes and this this movie for me did because it just mm-hmm. if i rewatch it i'm gonna hate charlie sheen and it's just gonna be like you're awful and I do feel like it's kind of a one-time watch, but I know that this movie obviously has a cult following, and it's uh, it's it's listed in one of those just car movie glossaries, and that's you know that's why you picked the movie, like you wanted to, to to cover it, right, uh, right. As far as a rating or just kind of like an overall thing, I'm kind of like in the middle of the road. Uh, after I watched the movie, I kind of wanted to marinate on it for a while because again it just left a bad taste in my mouth because the character that was supposed to be the good guy kind of wasn't so you know eh. and then obviously we didn't talk about the the bad part of the movie we, in in looking at the trivia and a bunch of this there there was a oh we did forget about that we, there, there there was an individual who who lost their life making the movie uh, with a an accident during filming, and then a few other people were injured. So yeah, the the stunt man or the cameraman that had died was Bruce Ingram, and the movie was dedicated to him in the end. So definitely a a hard thing for the cast and crew to have to deal with. But um, I don't really know how to rate the movie because I mean I want to just go like you know five out of ten you know it's not it's not amazing but it's not awful i've seen way way worse movies and again i want to not ignore what i said earlier like it kept my attention you know it it's it was it was there and i obviously wanted to watch it for this show so i mean i had an obligation to finish it but if if i didn't and it came on tv I, I would be hard pressed to say that I'd just turn it off. Like I, I thought that it was keeping my attention pretty well. So I'll I'll say a I'll say a six. Six out of ten. I'll send you a picture of my notes, dude. Hit it right on the nose. That is exactly what I came in at. Six out of ten. because um, I feel like uh, anything that's a five out of ten or lower, I can't rightfully recommend to people. But I can still feel like I can still recommend this movie. It's a unique hybrid film. You know, uh, it's a little bit of Mad Max. It's a little bit of uh, old style Western. It's a ghost story. It's a killer car movie. It's all kind of, it's it's a nice hybrid film. That's why and I then, think it's kind of got something for everybody. I mean, yeah. per- you, per- you said it perfectly. It kind of uh, dips its toes in a bunch of different pools. And it's like, you know, I can, I can be what you want. You know, I can be the movie that you turn to on a, on a rainy day or 
you know, something just to turn on while you're working or something. So, yeah, it's not something you need to pay attention to, like like a movie that we reviewed, The Thing. If I watch The Thing, everything else becomes secondary. I'm going to be paying full attention to it, doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. But I pop on something like The Wraith, it's just something enjoyable I can put on, you know, if I just want to have a beer, or if I'm doing housework, or if I'm doing or something around the house. Or listen to that soundtrack. Yeah, oh, yeah, listen to that soundtrack. Yeah, there's a lot of good things. A lot. I mean, some of the bad things, are, you know... The unfortunate death that happened on set. You got, let's face it, Charlie Sheen is is he shadow walks through the whole movie. Uh, but some of the good things, you know, uh, I like Randy Quaid in the movie. Even the uh, he he was a shine through because the, just the little things he did, like picking the pickles off the burger and throwing them over the side of the car as he's eating. I'm willing to bet, like little idiosyncratic things like that he came up with while he was oh i guarantee it yeah i was was watching it and i was like there has to be some things that he's improvising and then they're just letting him do it because because that was the whole thing too like a lot of these people were not big names yet so they they didn't have that kind of clout for a director or a writer or someone that's on set to go well no don't don't do that you you need to follow what we wrote and just please you know don't move (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i I will admit that there are some very smart things that were done in this movie. And, and there were obvious attention to detail moments that make it watchable. You know, there, you know, a a character has to be built and it can't be a static, boring thing. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're making very good points. Yeah. To me, the star of the movie is, well, secondary would be Randy Quaid, Clint Howard. They get, uh, you know, second billing. But it's a tie to me to be between, I love Nick Cassavetes in it. He is the shine-through character. He is a great villain. But it's that car. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I did this, you know, this uh, appreciation month the way I, I have. I'm just a big car fan, and I love uh, memorable killer vehicles. And this one just has a great one. So, you know. It meets the criteria. <laughs> With that being said, I think we've exhausted every resource we can talk to about an oldie, oldie but goodie like this from back in 86. Uh, folks, this has, again, been your Cinema Degeneration Killer Wheels Appreciation Month. Now, my guest here has been Daniel Goad. He's got a lot going on. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be on set. You can uh, maybe uh, fill people in since this episode will drop before we meet in June. Actually, yeah. So less than a month now, uh, we're going to be on set in Indiana filming the first half of Parallels, uh, which is a horror movie about a possessed girl. Uh, It's loosely inspired by H.P. Lovecraft and the Necronomicon and a lot of stories that are like that. and I'm just I can't wait to see you in person, man. Like, you know, uh, we won't we won't be able to watch movies together. We'll be we'll be too busy making one. But, right. Uh, it's definitely... we'll say the watching the movies for the downtime, though. We, we should oh, let yeah. people know this is not this won't be the first time that we've met. We've hung out several times. This is the first time in what? A year oh, yeah. and a half but, almost. But every time is just as good as the first time. So it's. Yeah. You know, wow. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm excited for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I want I want people to watch our movies like we talk about these. Like I I want other I want people on a, a different podcast in the future to like watch like just the stuff that we make and just go eh, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's okay. I, I, I want to see it on Rift Tracks one day, or a Mystery Science Theater three thousand, you know, or some iteration yeah. of that, to be like, you know, these guys are just having fun with it. Let them. If I can, if I because we get obviously did, and I'll be happy. That's fine. <laughs> I don't need those Nolan numbers. <laughs> yeah, I just want to. I just want to keep creating stuff for as long as I can. That's all I want to do. Keep making movies and keep making more of them. Good ones, bad ones, all around ones. Because you think- know. I think that statement right there is an, an artist mantra. I just want to keep making that as long as I can. So, as long as I'm physically able, because I know I'm not mentally able to do it anymore. But I've been winging that part of it for years. Oh, that's not <laughs> that's not an important thing. That's fine. People who lost their minds are still yeah. Remember still another mantra. We'll we'll sign off on this one, and and those who know will get it. Those who don't know, well, you'll never know. But safety third. Safety third. Right on. Well, 
folks have a good evening thank you once again for tuning in always keep listening you can find us on podbean apple itunes iHeartRadio, pandora wherever fine podcasts are sold but as always thank you for listening Halifax, they're all yours.